Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. Whether you are a student prepping for tests and boards or a CRNA here to earn CEUs, we are glad you've joined us. For more about us, make sure to check us out on Instagram at Core Anesthesia and online at coreanesthesia.com. Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. My name is Cole here with Tanner, and today we want to do a discussion regarding transitioning from the didactic portion of school into the clinical portion of school. And I know there's really several different ways that different programs go about their scheduling of the curriculum throughout school. And there's some schools that start clinical pretty early on, and you do both clinical and then your didactic classwork at the same time. There's other schools that are really front heavy and front loaded with didactic portions. And then the back half of school is pretty much solely going to clinical day after day after day. And regardless of what type of uh, structure your school does, there's always this buildup to that first day of clinical. And it's different than when you're in the ICU, obviously. And there's a lot of both fear and anxiety that goes into the buildup of it. And then also the transitioning into that first day, into the first week. And how do you settle into that new role as a student in the nursing field again, that's now in surgery. It's just, it's a completely different environment than the ICU. And at least for me, Tanner, I feel like I always, uh, in the ICU, by the time we we leave to go to CRNA school, most students that are in school were one of the the higher up ICU nurses. Like you were more comfortable in your role. You knew how to take care of those patients. You, you were more tenured type provider in that field. And then you're jumping now back to the bottom of the totem pole. And I think that's why a lot of the fear and anxiety uh, comes into it as you transition into that role. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it was just that it was totally unfamiliar to me. I really hadn't spent much time in the operating room aside from shadowing. And if it tells you anything, in our first year, we would shadow senior SRNAs. And so you would you know, be brand new first year and you would go shadow the SRNAs for a couple of days uh, during their clinicals. And I remember the nights before going to shadow, I just like, I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous. I was trying to think of all the things that they would ask me. It's just such a, you don't know. It's just a huge category, huge, like unknown of all this anesthesia material that you've not even touched yet. You're still in like your basic sciences. And at least that's what it was for our program. And so I'm like, you know, trying to do all this research in case they ask me about volume and aesthetics, I can have, you know, an educated answer. And it's just, it's literally my shadow day. And you go there and they don't even care that you're there. You're basically like the lost puppy that just follows them around for a day. And so if that tells you anything about kind of my anxiety level with going into school, even just the shadow days on my first year, I was spending way too much time ahead of time worrying about it. And so when it came to my actual days in the uh, clinical setting, you know, you just like Cole, you just mentioned, spent so much mental energy trying to make sure you were perfect or make sure you were prepared. And the, you know, the reality of it is they know that it's your first week, your first days in the operating room. So while you want to, you know, show that you have prepared and you're ready to take on the challenge of, of that case or that day, you know, you are a total beginner, a total newbie anesthesia being in the operating room. And so I would just say, take a, take a step back and just take a second to realize like, it's going to be okay. And it's your first day. So there's going to be some grace for that. Right. And I, I think to begin this discussion, I really want to back up and talk about the upcoming weeks to months before you start clinical. 
And then we'll kind of get into how do you prepare physically and mentally for that actual first day? And then how do you get through the first week and the first month of clinical? But to start really to backtrack here, for me personally, our program was front heavy with the classroom didactic portion. And so we did a year and a half straight of classwork. And then we did a year and a half straight of clinical. And I remember we got into our third semester of our didactic portion and we started in January. So then in June, it was going to be the start of our clinical portion. So I remember going through that spring semester, starting our second year, we were getting ready to come up to clinical in that June. The anxiety started to build in in my mind of just, okay, I've been out of really the clinical environment for a while now. Uh, You know, a lot of programs don't have you work when you're in school. Uh, I at least was uh, able to do part-time for the first year. So at least I wasn't completely out of the clinical environment. Um, But for the most part, we are not actively taking care of patients for a while before we start clinical. And then there's that fear of, man, do I even remember how to start an IV? Do I remember how to do this? And you start second guessing yourself, at least for me, and you start getting anxious about actually starting clinical. How are the hours going to be? Um, I had heard so much about the long hours that anesthesia students have to put in. You have to get there very early. You sometimes stay really late. You don't know when you're going to get out. And all these things were going through my mind and it kind of uh, made me a lot more nervous for the actual start of clinical. So I feel like the buildup uh, mentally uh, is a lot that goes into it. But I just want to reassure everybody that has that kind of feeling as well. If you're someone who's about ready to start and you're nervous about the transition in the schedule, um, how's that going to look for your home life balance with, with just being gone so much at school, I um, mean, gone so much at the hospital and clinical for early cases, et cetera. Uh, it really is a good transition. I like to tell people going through school, there are so many different layers and each semester brings a different challenge. So one challenge and your didactic portion may be all these essays that you're writing for these fluff classes. So going through anesthesia school, I like to tell people there's these layers of, of difficulties and challenges, and each one seems like a huge hurdle and a huge mountain that you're not going to get through. And then you get through that portion of school, and it's almost a relief when you go to the next challenge, because you have a relief from that current challenge that you were going through. And then now you're facing this big honestly, what feels like a bigger mountain at the time. And then you look back and you wish you could go back to the previous mountain that you were going over and the previous challenge that you were focusing on. And I remember going through school when I was in the didactic portion, looking forward to clinical. I was very nervous about the upcoming transition in this clinical, how the the new schedule was going to look, et cetera. And then I found myself a couple months into clinical, wishing I could go back to the didactic portion um, which I originally thought was so hard at the time because I was so tired of writing essays nonstop. But really, it, it, the transition does go well. Um, you got to give yourself, I mean, I don't know about you, Tanner, it took me probably a couple weeks to really settle in, uh, maybe even a couple months to settle into the actual anesthesia side of things. But it does feel nice to get in a routine of always getting up, going to clinical and coming home. Because I felt like in, in the didactic portion, it was this a lot of online stuff. You're just sitting at home writing papers. It, it was a very different schedule than when you get into clinical. I would agree. And I'd also say that like every part of anesthesia school is difficult in its own way. You've got, like you mentioned, Cole, the didactic portion just tends to kind of bleed into your entire schedule and you just always feel like you have something to do or something to prepare for. And that's somewhat true when you're in your clinical portion too. But yeah, you always look back and you think, oh, like I feel like I finally had a leg up on that 
portion and now this is you know something else that's equally as uncomfortable or difficult and that's just kind of the name of the game with anesthesia school until you just keep getting better and better at being comfortable with being uncomfortable i think we've mentioned that in previous episodes you know you have to take it one day at a time and and get used to being out of your comfort zone you mentioned a couple weeks getting used to clinical I would say definitely a couple months for me, simply just because it, nothing feels familiar. Like in the ICU, you, you could at least go to another ICU and, and there was things that were similar or uh, familiar with the OR. Everything's different. Just knowing where to go to pre-op and how you're going to talk to a patient in pre-op and then transfer them to the OR. Does the nurse help you transfer the OR? Do you bring them back? Do you wait in the OR? Do you, when you get into the room, do you do a timeout first? Do you start getting them hooked up to monitors? And then like every bit of the day is unfamiliar and new. And so there's, you know, I think plenty of room to get down on yourself and feel like you are just the worst student. You can't believe you didn't know X, Y, or Z. And I would just tell you, please, please, please give yourself some time to get used to just the flow and, you know, just how the operating room works, how the whole day will will work in the operating room. The The skills are something that you're probably not going to be very good at. And that's like, no one can fault you for that. You can spend as much time as you want in sim and that does help. And so there's Obviously, you should be familiar with the technique and, and what you're trying to do. But until you get reps doing the skills portions, you know, you're just not going to be good at some of those things. I would say you can be prepared for the for the cases. And as far as just knowing the flow and, and the operating room, that's stuff that's all going to just take time. You know, I felt anxious about that. And that's just something that as you as you do it more and more, you're going to get comfortable with the flow and, and get comfortable with, with how things work. I think the other thing for me when you think about preparing for clinical is simply just to talk to people in your program that are ahead of you. Find someone who you feel like you can confide in and someone that you can ask simple questions. Where am I going to park? Where am I going to meet my preceptor? What are the things that I should have ready, you know, the first day? The, the more guesswork you can take out of those, you know, situations, I think the better and the more you're going to ease your mind. Some places want you to open everything and have everything ready to go, crack all the syringes, have all the meds pulled, have, you know, your ET tube styleted and ready to go. Other places are like, don't open things until, you know, we discuss our plan and, you know, you don't want to be wasting a bunch of equipment. And that's not on you. That's just the difference in, you know, the different clinical sites. And so if you talk to somebody who's been there before and, and done things, I think that that plays a huge part in easing your mind and just gives you some concrete, like, okay, these are the five things on the first day that I'm going to do that I can show that I'm prepared. I'm ready. You don't even know what you're supposed to be doing. And then you're trying to do all this guesswork and trying to, you know, show that you're a seasoned student i mean it's just like there's too many variables and so your job is just to um you know show up show that you prepared as much as you can but um you know a lot of those things i think it would be helpful just to talk to somebody ahead of you so that you get a really clear idea of what's expected yeah i remember our very first day of clinical we were supposed to show up at 6 a.m and it was at our home base hospital so all of us in our cohort were there for that first day and, you know, the week leading up to that, we had some orientation things about what the CRNAs wanted us to do versus not do, as Tanner was saying, uh, before they showed up, uh, just in terms of preparedness and setting up. Well, I get there day one, and 
a girl in our a cohort, she was right across the hall from me in another OR and she came and knocked on my door and was like, Hey, I got a question for you. So I walked over to her OR room and with the machine check that we were doing, again, this is, this is going to vary from facility to facility on what people do, but we were checking the cylinders, the, the gas cylinders behind the anesthesia machine and the nitrous cylinder was out. And so she's like, yeah, this, this nitrous cylinder is out. Do I replace that? And I was like, well, I guess like we're supposed to have it all taken care of. So we tracked down some maintenance guy. We go find the gas cylinder. I don't know, Tanner, were you involved in this? I can't remember. I, I, this, I like remember this happening. I think I was busy in my own room, you know, like checking the paint on the walls or something. I don't know what I was doing, but I remember I was aware that this was happening, but I didn't think it was weird. I thought like, good on you guys. You caught something and you're, you know, fixing right. it. Well, that's what I thought too. I'm like, oh, they're going to be excited that we went ahead and did the initiative on this. Well, we go down, track down some maintenance guy, find the room that has all these nitrous gas cylinders, switch it out, bring the new one. And then we all look at each other like, well, do you know how to change this out? I'm like, I don't know how to change this out. And I'm like, I think, I think we do this. So I YouTube something and I ended up being the one to do it. I'm like, I hope I'm not going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. As you're reciting like the, the pin index safety system on, you know, all your textbook knowledge, you're like, I got this. Yeah, I know. I'm, I was, I'm the best. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I just got to make sure I don't mess up the washer on this. And, you know, like, because I think we were taught, like, whenever you switch out a cylinder, you never force it because you cannot make right. it seal good or something. It's been a while since I've studied all that You're stuff. You're like, man, so, I'm going to save so a life today. I'm going to save a life by changing. Uh, yeah. So basically, I switched it out. And then shortly after, the anesthesia tech walks in. And we had one anesthesia tech for the whole department at this hospital. And she walked in and was like, what are you guys doing over there? And I'm like, oh, I just changed out the cylinder. And she kind of looked at me really weird and said, okay, follow me quick. And she walked me down to like the charge CRNA that was on overnight that was still there before everybody else came in. And she told him that I changed out the nitrous cylinder. And he's like, I've been a CRNA for like 18 years and I've never changed out a nitrous cylinder. I don't know if anybody ever has here. I was like, well, yeah. so, Room seven has a brand spanking new one. So <laughs> we're going to be good for a couple more years on that sucker. But, you know, basically you run nitrous through the hose uh, <clears throat> into the wall and then only the cylinders as a backup. Uh, and we honestly didn't even use much nitrous at all at this facility. Uh, but with that being said, I remember that first day wondering, well, am I supposed to do this? Am I not supposed to do this? And there's just a lot of, as Tanner mentioned, if you can get a lot of that information from people in the cohorts above you, the, the upperclassmen, figure out what is expected of you. Um, because when you walk in, honestly, it's a deer in the headlights. I remember the feeling of I just being stunned about everything. Like you just feel numb. There's so much new going on. It's It's not only a new type of service you're providing because in the ICU, you were getting orders for things. You were titrating drugs based on orders. You you had all these things that, that doctors were handing down for you to do. And then now you're just going to be doing things. You're acting as a pharmacist back in the OR. You're acting as an autonomous provider. You're, you're putting in lines. You're doing, there's so many things that are, are different about this field compared to the ICU where we worked before. But on top of that, you don't even know the lay of the land, the flow of an OR. Um, there's, there was one person in our cohort that was an OR circulator prior to going to the ICU. And she definitely had an advantage starting clinical because she knew the flow of things. I, on the other hand, and Tanner, we both had no experience with OR. So it took a little bit to understand the flow. 
So I think when you go into it, you have to have an open mind, knowing that they don't expect you to know things right off the bat. They can't expect you to know things. And if you go in with the expectation that you need to prove something to them on day one, that's going to probably be the first fault that you have because they're going to see that overconfidence and know that you truly don't know how to do things on that first day. And so if you can come in humbly with the expectation that you're there to learn, you want it, you want to give off that impression that you're there to learn and that you're confident in yourself, but not overconfident to the point that you're trying to overstep something that people are trying to teach you. So I think here's a good spot to, if you're listening to this episode, I'm assuming you haven't gone to clinical yet. That's I think the only reason you would choose to listen to this episode and you want to, you know, you're trying to get an idea of what to expect, but we're just going to break it down really simply. This is what a typical day looks like. And for many of you who have worked in the OR, this is like way before basic, but it had been helpful for me to hear this before I had my first day. So Typically, an OR day, you're going to go to the room that you're assigned. You'll know what type of case you're going to do. With that room in that case, you should have an idea of what you're going to do as far as an airway for that patient. If you're going to do an LMA, if you're going to do just some sedation and they're going to be breathing on their own, are you going to need to intubate this patient? So if that's the case, you're going to have your tube. You're going to have whatever blade that you decide to use. If it's Mac, Miller, there's a reason that you would use a glide scope or something like that. You would discuss that with your preceptor. You're going to have syringes ready for the different medications. Again, depending on what type of place you're at, you're going to draw the, the medications up or you're just going to have them ready. You're going to have your muscle relaxant to go to sleep. You're going to have your sedation medicine, usually propofol to go to sleep, usually some lidocaine, some sort of nar narcotic that you'll use as well. And then from there on, you're going to have you know a few other equipment that depends on your facility. You probably have an oral airway. You're going to make sure your suction's connected. You're going to make sure that you've done a machine check. And after that, you have a basic setup in your room. You're going to go talk to the patient. At this point, you'll go to pre-op. You'll interview the patient, get to know their history, get to know what procedures they've had done in the past. If they've had any uh, you know comorbidities that would affect your anesthetic plan, you have all that. Some places will have you chart that. Other places, you'll just tell that to your CRNA and they're going to chart that for you. After you do that, you're usually the first case of the day, you're going to walk that patient back to the operating room. And so you'll hang out in pre-op and then you'll go with the patient back to the operating room. You'll do that case. You'll drop them off and pack you and you'll go back, do the same thing, change over your, your room, get ready for the next case, go over to pre-op, talk to that patient. That's a that's like a very, very basic flow of a day in the operating room and, and what we're doing. To Cole's point with that story, like you can get fixated on just the craziest things. Like I I vividly remember that nervousness of just like my CRNA is going to walk in and they're that's the first thing they're going to be like, why isn't the nitrous tank turned? You know, <laughs> like they're not going to care about that. That is that is like missing the forest for the trees in just like the biggest way. And I feel like we all did that to some extent. And if you just realize, okay, I need to set up my room. I need to check out my machine. I need to be prepared for what this specific case is going to entail from you know a management standpoint and have those things ready in the room. And then I'm going to go talk to the patient and I'm going to try to mesh what the patient's comorbidities are with changing my anesthetic plan. And that sounds sort of basic, but like that's, that's it. And as far as knowing how to chart it or 
you know, what, where the equipment is or to know even where pre-op is like, those are all things that are going to come uh, with time and your preceptor will, you know, walk you through those things. I, I don't know. Hopefully that's helpful. Just a very basic outline of what your day is going to look like so that you're not uh, scrambling around the OR on the first day, uh, just trying you know, do all these things that are not important. And then you're taking away time from doing what you actually should be doing. And then you're <laughs> underprepared for the actual case. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add on that for, for the actual flow of your first day i think now that we've been out of school for a little over a year and we've now been on the other side of things where we are preceptors now we're taking care of students that changes my view a little bit on what actually i want students to have prepared by the time i get there and how that would have changed what i would have done when i was a student and really there's like three things at least for me i I consider myself a pretty laid-back preceptor but there's three basic things that I at least want each student to have. And the first thing is be there. There are some students that will show up after me and I don't get there early by any means. But the first thing you really want to do is you want to show the CRNA that you're there already and you've already done some sort of progress towards setting up for your first case. And if it's your first day, that's going to be very little progress. There's not much that a CRNA is going to expect you to do on the first day. Um, by the end of the first week, though, there are definitely some things that you should be able to do. Um, some facilities and some programs may have taught you how to do a machine check prior to your first day of clinical. If that's the case, that's something that I think almost every preceptor expects to be done and the student should do is at least a machine check. Depending on your facility, then after that, some may have you go ahead, as Tanner said, and draw up meds and do some sort of prep. But other times, there are places where, especially on your first week, they would rather, the CRNA would rather be there with you when you're pulling up things to make sure that you're mixing concentrations the right way for drugs, et cetera. Um, and this is just going to depend on where you're at. Um, but so the first thing that I at least want for students is just to be there, just already be there on time, getting things set up. The second thing is I want them to show some level of preparedness. And again, I'm pretty laid back on this. I don't expect them to show up with a 10-page, can't even remember what they're called, that we had to do every day. Why am I drawing a blank? Care plan. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just your that's just your body suppressing that memory. <laughs> <laughs> that's gee, my Care plans. Yeah. <laughs> Thousands of pages of care plans throughout school. Yeah. I can't even remember the word. Um, your therapy's working. It's, re- it's repressing <laughs> those memories. So a care plan, most schools are going to have you do. Uh, and again, this is really just going to be to, sh- to give you some sort of an idea of what you're going to be doing for that certain procedure. And it's going to vary in length depending on what procedure you're doing. As you get to be uh, your senior level cases, you're doing a lot bigger cases, you might have a bigger care plan. But to start your first week, you're probably doing simple general cases and they're not going to be these huge care plans, but but all that I really want, and I never read through these care plans, and most preceptors don't, but what they want to see is by doing that care plan, do you understand some level of what the goal is with this surgical procedure? And then secondly, how that's going to affect the anesthetic plan. Is there anything altered or different that you'd be doing anesthesia-wise based on this case? And so with your first day and in your first week, you're probably not going to know too much about that. But what you do want to show and what you want to provide to your preceptor when they walk in is that you've given some level of thought saying, you know, we're going to be doing this procedure from what I've read. We're going to be doing a general anesthetic, putting them to sleep with an ET tube versus an LMA. You can say which one you state that you would probably recommend doing and then ask them after you go through your plan, say, this is what after I've read, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Is there anything that you would do differently? 
Um, that's just what I've read. And that gives the impression that you've prepared yourself, but you're not coming in this overconfident. This is the way we're going to do this. This is the way I want to do this, et cetera. You're showing that the preceptor is there to help you to learn, to teach you what their tips and, and, and tricks are, et cetera. And so when you come in with that impression of you're somewhat prepared, but not overconfident that you don't want to learn from them, that is that perfect balance. Third thing I wrote down was to do a machine check. So like, so not only one, are you there? Two, you have some type of preparedness, but then three, I always like at least that machine check to be done. And then depending on what we discuss with the plan will then depend on, you know, what's going to need to be drawn up and in terms of meds and things like that. Um, And that's going to change from place to place, which really, I think, kind of leads into the next part of the discussion, which is preceptors. And if you were to ask, I think Tanner and I both had a conversation multiple times of this throughout school. People would ask us, you know, what's your favorite case? that you like to do? What's your favorite anesthetic, your favorite surgical procedure that you like to do? And honestly, both of us answered, I think you had the same opinion on this, was I don't care what procedure I'm doing. I just care what preceptor I'm assigned to. That's going to determine if I have a good or a bad day. And I I think that's the case for the majority of students going through clinical. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think when you start to release some of that responsibility. There's reasons that preceptors can be difficult to work with or, or or not. And again, that's that can be for another discussion. We've actually done another episode discussing, you know, engaging with preceptors. But that's going to be something that again you can't quite prepare for. And a lot of that comes down to interpersonal just relationships and being able to go with the flow with different personalities because the end of the day, you could have everything set up perfectly and it's just not how that preceptor likes that case set up. And that can be an uncomfortable conversation and there's no way that you would have known that. That's a specific preference. And so you can't you can't take that personally and you just have to, you have to move on from that standpoint. Figure out how you're going to get that patient safely from pre-op to pack you. Anything past that is going to be you know, preferences, style points, different, you know, ways that people prefer to do things. But if you have a good plan of getting them safely from pre-op to pack you, then anything above that is, again, going to be a conversation for learning, for improving your, you know, skills of other things to think about, maybe, maybe some other considerations that you could pull in to make it a better anesthetic. At the very basis, figure out how you're to get them safely from pre-op to pack you. And then past that, that's just going to be, you know, a conversation between you and the preceptor. And we mentioned that can make for a very stressful day. You know, I I would have rather done a triple A with some preceptors that I felt like had my back and we were going to just, you know, rock through this together compared to doing a lap appy with somebody who was going to be really, really harsh on, on seemingly minute things. And unfortunately, that's just the name of the game with anesthesia school. And you have to learn how to go with the flow with both of them. I would say just learn to not take that personally when you've done everything that you can do. And it's just a, a difference of opinion. That's where it's helpful to have your people ahead of you that can talk to you about, hey, you're with so-and-so tomorrow. They really prefer that you do this. So that's, again, where you're pulling in experience from from upperclassmen is is really important. You know, we've gone through leading up to your first day, kind of the anxiety or the stress that you feel just because it's this big unknown. We've gone through, okay, the morning of what are you expected to do for your first day? Uh, like Cole mentioned, be there, do your machine check, and have a good plan for getting them safely for pre-op to pack you. And now let's talk about just your 
kind of temperament or the actual clinical day, what does that look like? I would say just take a second to do an inventory and to look at yourself and just to consider how uh, your personality is going to, you know, fit into the operating room. Some people are very energetic and outgoing, which is wonderful and lovely and don't ever lose that. But your first day of clinical might not be the time to just be popping in, telling all these jokes and to, you know, jump into every conversation that's happening in the operating room. So just take, take some inventory and, and, kind of self-assess. Maybe you're really reserved and, and very quiet and it's going to take a lot of work for you to show that you are assertive and that you have a plan and that you are willing to take the lead because in the operating room, you're going to be the one that's steering the ship, so to speak. So I think just going through your day to consider that you are going to have to figure out how you're going to fit into the operating room. You are a first day, first year student that doesn't really probably know how you know things work in the operating room so i think just just taking your time to figure out how you're going to fit in humbleness will take you far in school and just you know showing that you're competent but also being receptive to learning um you know being overconfident your first day and and you know i read about this i know this is typically what you do you're you're probably going to show your hand pretty quickly that you really don't know what you're doing like you mentioned that earlier cole but you're dealing with crnas who have probably been practicing for a long time and have done this case you know over and over and over again and so when you say oh i read about this, this is what i'm going to do i i have you know i this is you know, you want to show that you have a plan, but you you don't want to be overconfident. So I think like you mentioned, Cole, always asking, this is what I want to do. How would you change that? Anything you would add to that is a great way to show that you're teachable and that you're there to learn. So uh, just going through your day, I would caution people to take inventory, think about how you'll fit into the room and then where you can see that might be a struggle for you, you know, just work hard at, you know, whether being assertive or choosing to be quiet or choosing to be mindful of being humble, whatever that looks like for you, you know, you'll do great. And there's all types of people in the OR and it takes all types of people to be successful in anesthesia school. So uh, I'm not saying to minimize your personality. I'm just saying, take a, take a second to consider that so that you have kind of mindfulness as you go through your first day. And I guess the point I want to add as we kind of get ready to close here is when you get into clinical, not just the first day, but for the first week, two weeks, and and honestly on throughout the rest of your journey through clinical, expect that you're going to make mistakes. Don't let those mistakes traumatize you going forward. Uh, I remember myself and a lot of my classmates, we would have obviously mistakes that occurred. We We would do mistakes and it's easy to to start to have this mental game of, okay, I made that mistake. Everybody in the room probably thinks I'm undeserving to be here. Like, why am I even in this program? If I can't do this one thing, or if I made this stupid mistake, this preceptor that I'm with is probably telling everybody in the break room, they're all going to be making fun of me. And it's really easy for these thoughts to start spinning in your mind. But in all honesty, the preceptor that's with you, they know you're going to be making mistakes. You're brand new at this. That's the part of learning. I tell students every day when they, when they show up and, and I meet them for the first time in that morning, I tell them, hey, look, today is a day to make mistakes. I would much rather you make the mistake today with me than when you're on your own. And now you know 
how to fix that mistake. You're with me. We can go through these things. This is the time to make mistakes. And I made so many mistakes in school. I mean, Tanner and I have thought about doing just a blooper episode that we just go through and talk about all the crazy things that we've done. That'd probably be like a four-hour episode if we did that. Yeah, it'd be... It, it would never end. I would still be adding to those things every day in my clinical practice. I'd be adding stories to that. <laughs> I, I think I've had my worst stories now that I'm on my own for stupid mistakes compared yeah, to when I was in like, school. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But, sure. but, but my point though, being it's very easy when you make those mistakes to get in your head and think that everybody's talking about you. Uh, they don't want you in the room with them because you might make another mistake, et cetera. Um, I had one preceptor at the very end of the day. I mentioned something from a mistake that I had made very beginning of the day. And I had held on to that all day long. I made it affect the rest of my day. Uh, it was something with intubation. I couldn't get the intubation down on the first patient. And I made, I can't remember what exactly I did wrong, but it was it was somewhat stupid. They ended up having to do it for me. And I kind of felt really defeated after that because I feel like anesthesia, when you go into it, the intubation almost has more weight than the rest of the anesthetic plan. You almost have this feeling that if I can't get the ET tube into the trachea on my own, uh, that's like the main part of the anesthetic, then I don't deserve to be doing the rest of this. At least that was my kind of impression going into clinical and so when I didn't get that intubation in the morning, I let it affect me the rest of the day. And I ended up saying something at the end of the day to the preceptor about it, um, kind of like apologizing for not getting it. And and they looked at me and said, oh, I completely forgot about that. I, had, I had, didn't even give that a second thought throughout the rest of the day. And it just goes to show that inside you may internalize things and, and grow upon those. And that's where a lot of the mental struggles of clinical and a lot of students that I've talked to have issues with is is just the feeling of you don't have to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. And when you do, don't let them get you down. Let it build you up. Our director of our program told us on day one, anesthesia school is very, very difficult, very hard. It is meant to break you down in order to build you up to an even better person. And it's amazing to see the journey as you go through clinical, you really start to see yourself grow and to develop. And it probably took me a good three months to walk into a surgery and actually feel somewhat confident that I was going to be able to take care of a patient. It's not going to happen overnight after day one. It's going to be a journey and each step takes you a little bit closer to that journey. But be ready to jump right in. I mean, I remember Tanner, did you intubate on day one? I mean, I remember I had to intubate on day one, had no idea what I was looking at. But Yeah, it was pink. As I, they were like, what do you see? I was like, uh, a lot of pink. <laughs> and, then, and then you know you just you, you take a second and you don't rush through things it feels like after you do your induction it, you need to intubate in 0.2 seconds otherwise it's you know you failed and you start to realize like you have time go through your steps do your normal induction that you've practiced in sim when you don't see the right thing that you you know just thought in the textbook you would see you know think about what you can do to change do you need to advance the blade do you need to pull the blade back a little bit do you need to lift a little bit higher you know, what are things that you can alter and and calmly have that conversation with your preceptor? You know, hey, I don't see anything right now. I'll, I think I see epiglottis. Okay, well, do you need to lift? Do you need to, you know, pick that up? Whatever, you know, your technique you're using, have those conversations. You're not performing. You don't need this to be, you know, the clinical textbook. This is what they're going to YouTube for years to come on how to intubate a patient. You are okay to fail. You're okay to struggle just take your time and and work through things calmly i just want to piggyback on what you said cole because anesthesia school can be very very isolating you're in a room by yourself 
you have all these things that you keep tally in your own mind of things that you did wrong or you failed at or you had a silly question or you didn't know an answer to one of their questions or you know those things add up and you think that you know you're just not a great student or you don't really know if this is for you and then you hear somebody's story about how they fiber optically intubated on their first day and you know it was perfect and everybody was saying what a great job they did or you hear CRNAs talking about well so and so uh, look like they've been doing anesthesia forever. They threw in the A line with no problem. And now you're like, well, I didn't even know what gas we were going to use today. I missed the question about the anesthesia machine. And then so-and-so is over there throwing in A lines and fiber optically intubating. Like I'm way behind. There's no winners when you're trying to compare when people are being really loud about their clinical experiences. I think nine times out of 10, it's probably to cover up what they really want you to know about their clinical day or whatever that looks like. So just block out the noise. People are going to talk to you all day long about what they've done or what they've seen. And you're going to think you're missing out on experiences or you need to do something better. Just take what's in front of you, be humble, work through the day that you're given. The experiences will come. You don't need to get all your numbers done in the first two months. Take time, take care of yourself and find people that you really have a strong relationship with because you will want to celebrate those things. Like I remember when I first intubated for the first time, I I text you Cole and I was like, oh, so fun, you know, your first intubation or would you do a central line or like those skills are fun and you want to have people that you can celebrate that with. And those are the same people that you'll text when you push the wrong med or you reverse a patient and you're getting ready to start the whole second part of the procedure where that was part of the case and you're like, dude, I I blew it today. And those are the same people that they've got your back on the highs and lows. And I think right at the beginning of clinical, it feels like a rat race where everybody is going to be excited, a little bit nervous, going to be very chatty about their experiences. And it's easy for you to think you are just not meant to be there. You are. You've already gone through all the processes of uh, making sure you do belong there. Now it's up to you to take what's in front of you one day at a time and it's going to get better. The things are going to feel more comfortable with the flow of things, which is half the battle. And then you can really focus on your technique and skills. And, you know, school is a long journey. Don't try to do the whole thing in the first week. Couldn't agree more. Definitely the biggest advice to echo off of Tanner is have somebody to talk to. Don't isolate yourself, not only for the positive things or for the negative things. I mean, I remember I told Tanner every single thing I messed up on just right off the bat, just to, to not let me internalize it. I mean, heck, I mean, I think I texted you right away when I uh, gave Sugamidex on induction on a patient. And <laughs> yeah, did. if you're not far enough in your schooling yet, Sugamidex is the reversal for the muscle relaxant <laughs> that we gave, Rocuronium or Vecuronium. So we give yeah. that at the very end of the case when you yeah, want to... Yeah, it's not to... typically given on <laughs> induction sequences. <laughs> so yeah, I kept trying to wonder why the patient kept bucking and stuff when I was trying to intubate. I'm like, man, this Rocuronium is like water. Like that's what all the CRNA said. <laughs> well, then, then I figured out I gave some Gambadex on induction. So, um, yeah. so when you do something very off like that, no, you're not alone. I did plenty of those things. So just oh, take it as a, as a growing thing, but, but have somebody that you can talk to yeah, about absolutely. it because it does help. It really does help. Anything else, Tanner, you want to add before we close this? No, discussion? I just, I just want to hype you guys up. Like you're going to do great. Do what you can to prepare for the case and do your research on on how you're going to manage them. Be confident to know that you belong there, but be humble to be teachable and to be receptive to you know other people's advice. 
and just know that you're not an employee there. They can't expect that you know exactly where things are or the process of how things go. So give yourself some some time to adapt. Like I said, school's a long road, so take it one day at a time and you guys are gonna do great.